You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Video games are a unique medium. They can tell stories. Immerse us in strange, fantastic worlds. Blur the very boundaries of our reality. But at the end of the day, video games are fun. Whatever fun is to you. I'm Jeff Moonen. And I am Matt A.K. Stormageddon. And on Fun and Games, we talk about the history, trends, and community of video games. It's a celebration of all the games we play and all the fun we find within them. And there's so many more games out there. So we hope you'll share in that conversation with us. Fun and Games podcast with Matt and Jeff. Find us on certpov.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And happy gaming. Time to get into that intergalactic Cadillac and get on that journey into mystery as we get together with Case from the Certain POV Network and talk once again. Well, we talk with Case once again, but this time we're going to be talking about Hulk from 2003 starring Eric Bana. And man, do we have things to say. Yeah. Oh, we do. We do. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me on for this one. I've been trying to figure out who I wanted to talk about this movie with, and you guys seemed appropriate. <laughs> well, uh, it's always great to have you on, Case. I'm glad you're here. Um, I'm not super glad I had to watch this movie. I think I'm just suffering from Hulk burnout. <laughs> I mean, we, we did watch like, a lot of Hulk in this season. Like, yeah. it's. I think I'm just... I need a break from the Hulk, which luckily we get a break from the Hulk after this movie, and then I'll, my life will be better. There you go. Th- there it is. So before that, Ian and myself, in case, we'll talk a little bit about some MCU news. Then we're going to, I guess, give our thoughts, what we, we saw in Loki episode one. I assume you've watched it, Case. I forgot to talk to you beforehand. Oh, yeah, I did, yeah. Okay, cool. And then we'll break down uh, Hulk 2003. So, what I have for MCU news, uh, first thing, Vin Diesel says that Groot in the next Guardian of the Galaxy movie is going to be going back to Planet X, his home planet. Uh, I mean, technically, since James Gunn said that this isn't the same Groot from the first uh, movie, it's uh, completely separate, it's not this Groot's home planet, right? That depends on how you define it with the whole like because it's a it's a it's like a sprout or like a clipping kind of situation like on one sense it's like it, it is a Groot that that goes back uh, however many Groots have have Grooted from Groot um, <laughs> but it's also from another sense like yeah it's a different intelligence like it's a different person but like I don't know I feel like saying it's its own planet still works like. <laughs> Like uh, when 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 we go off into space, we'll still be like, yeah, we're from Earth originally. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is that a a story that anybody is really interested in seeing? I feel like Groot is a a pretty one note character, and that's not a bad thing. (laughs) Um, So trying to develop Groot, 
you're either going to get something awesome or it's going to suck. <laughs> there's no, I feel like there's no middle ground. I feel like there's no room to be like, I mean, it was okay. Like whatever that side plot was or subplot was with Groot, like, all right. I feel like we're going to get a very much so like, I mean, it was a good movie. I could have done without the whole like, uh, could have done without the whole like Planet X thing. <laughs> I mean, I feel like having to sit there and, and listen to someone else interpret what group is Groot is saying the whole time, like on Groot's home planet is going to be a little bit more tedious than it has been in the past movies. But then again, I, I guess we do it with Chewbacca, right? So we're looking at the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they're doing that also. So <laughs> Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like with, with Chewbacca though, there's like inflection to it. And it's more than just like, like I am Groot, and a couple variations thereof. With Chewbacca, it's like I feel like there's more involved with that, and Han just kind of like, all right, cool, it moves on, as opposed to like it being a whole conversation. <laughs> well, this, if this you, you can take the word of Vin Diesel, they're going to go to Planet X. If uh, if you don't want to take his word, then don't worry about it. We also have uh, Tyrese Gibson, who is also a part of the fan, the Fast and the Furious franchise, who is going to be in Morbius, or was already in Morbius, depending on how you want to look at it, since we haven't seen it yet. Uh, he has declared that Morbius is part of the MCU. Like, has anybody else said that past him? Like, has anybody else caught that in the news? Kevin Feige said that the Sony movies are part of the MCU. I... I mean, there's been weird drama with Venom, uh, like if that counted or not. I've I've heard some Sony people being like, "Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's all the same," <laughs> and Feige being like, "No, it's not." That's so. Much. I mean, it, it isn't until it is, you know. True. I mean, we did see in like, the what was it Morbius trailer? We saw Michael Keaton, so he's you know kind of reprising his role of uh, Adrian Toomes. Yeah, so I mean, it could be a scenario where like it's it is kind of in canon with Spider-Man movies, but not with the rest. And like Spider-Man movies are MCU, but it's like the the t- the degree of canon is kind of uh, kind of wonky on that one. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> like I'm fine with extending sort of like the olive branch to bring in other things to the MCU. Like I don't think everything has to be. Like or it doesn't all have to like spring forth from like one basic starting point, especially now that we're outside of like the 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 parameters of the quote unquote infinity saga. Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, if they want to say like, hey, yeah, we'll we'll bring you in. Like I was always down for the idea that like Tobey Maguire Spider Man could have been the Spider Man of the MCU. Like that would have been fine. That is not you a know, bad idea to to extend that. Like. Not you know obviously it's it's nice that we have Tom Holland but like it would have been you know you would have had just like a different kind of style on Spider Man like okay cool yeah it's a different Spider Man or, or or it's our classic Spider Man and he had his career as Spider Man ten years ago <laughs> like would have been fine <laughs> um, they they could extend the same thing to these Sony things or if they say oh, we don't want that messing with our brand I also understand it's just like whenever they decide that they want to consider it that or not. Uh, kind of like the way like the CW superhero shows like brought in the DCEU by having the Ezra Miller cam- uh, mm-hmm. cameo. I mean, you know, they, they can do it. 
I, <clears throat> I struggle with like if they're like, oh, we can't bring these movies in because they're not to our standards. Like, I don't feel like you can say that after we've had Iron Man 2, Thor The Dark World, <laughs> Iron Man 3, uh, an unpopular opinion, but Guardians 2. Uh, <laughs> like, you, if, if you're worried about having, like, movies that don't meet your standards, you already got, like, four of them in the catalog of the MCU. You just, just Let me go just ahead say that it, it is a good thing you play a bard. <laughs> in D and D games, because them's fighting words. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know That's what we do. I don't know. I mean, like, I would say, like, while you just rattled off some of the some of the weaker entries in the MCU, <laughs> and then also mentioned Guardians two for some reason. Um, <laughs> I didn't like it. Like them being weaker on the MCU spectrum doesn't make them weaker as just general superhero movies or movies in general. Like. Uh, like I would say, any of those are better than Amazing Spider-Man Two. We'll have to talk about that at <laughs> that, some point. That is that is so true. That is obviously true. I something you said a, a second ago, uh, Case. Um, I think it'd be a great idea. <laughs> it'd be awesome if we went to go see Spider-Man No Way Home. And in that movie, they are filming a Spider-Man movie, and that's why you have uh, you know all these actors coming from the old movies into this one like everybody's expecting it to be a multiverse kind of thing but in actuality they're just filming a movie and and alfred molina is playing the role of dr octopus i would be so down i would just laugh my ass off <laughs> i i also think that I've, i think i've said it a couple weeks in a row now i think that the the fan cry of we need we need Deadpool to dress up like Stan Lee and start doing those cameos. <laughs> uh, I mean, I need that in we, my life. Just I, put put him somewhere in Spider Man dressed up as dressed up as Stan Lee, and he's like, "Oh wow, that guy's swinging really fast," or just some dumb line. I think we saw in this first episode of Loki our how the Stan Lee cameos are going to be going. I don't know if anybody else caught it. I didn't. I'm not sure what you're referencing. So there's a mural uh, in the TVA when they go walking by. The, the, there's a bunch of people in this mural, and the, in, in the front of it is a man that's definitely, I, I would say, is depicted to look like Stanley. Oh. Gotcha. I did not see that. Yeah, so I think it's going to be I, a lot of that. But also, in close proximity to watching the Loki uh, pilot, I also watched like the first half of Modoc, and there's a mural in that that is much more eye grabbing. We'll say, <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I don't. I, don't, uh, I didn't. I didn't watch uh, all of Modoc yet, so I haven't touched it yet. Is it worth it? Uh, if you like Robot Chicken, this is Robot Chicken for Marvel. Uh, okay, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a great yeah. way. If, yeah, I mean it's the same kind of style of animation. It's got similar kind of kind of humor in general. I'd say it's in that sort of like zany off the wall kind of takes, and it's just amazing some of the shit that they're throwing in there from uh, just like obscure Marvel stuff, like uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Armadillo shows up as a villain, or not as a villain, like as a, just a character oh, at wow. a bar at one point. It's just like Armadillo, really, and then they remember that he had issues with his wife. I was like, this is actually great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, 
Morbius might be a part of the MCU. We'll see. Uh, we I have. That's how we got there. That's right. Uh, <laughs> we have casting news for She-Hulk. Uh, Jamila Jamil is going to be playing Titania, uh, one of the villains of mm-hmm. She-Hulk. Now, do you say Titania? Because I hear that's the way I'd say it, but I've heard someone else call it uh, Titana. I've never heard it that way. Right? I, I no. I, I've I've always said Titania, but like to sort of emphasize the Titan part. But that's that's just a minor emph- emphasis on the wrong syllable kind of thing, right there. <laughs> and I have no idea what's right. <laughs> uh, do you know anything about this particular villain? Uh, yeah, so she's been traditionally linked with with She Hulk. Um, she is, uh, not quite in the same power category. Uh, she first showed up in, uh, what was it? Secret Wars, which, uh, roughly around the time when Spider-Woman 2 showed up for the first time and Black Suit Spider-Man showed up like that whole crossover. I think that was Secret Wars. Um, and, um, yeah, so I think it was the Beyonder gave her powers. Oh. Might be, might be off on that one. Um, but she's, she's super strong. She's, uh, pretty durable. Um. Like I said, not quite in the category of She-Hulk, but enough that they can fight. Uh, she eventually links up with Crusher Creel, a.k.a. the Absorbing Man. And since, like, the late 80s, they've been in a relationship pretty much consistently. Um, and have generally been, like, backed off from, like, supervillainary because they're like, no, we don't – we're not dealing with that anymore. We're just – just leave us alone. We're, we're happy being over here. Um, <laughs> but every now and then she sort of, like, get, like gets back into a, a fight with, like, uh, she Hulk and whatnot. Um, I remember she had a, like a pretty big part in like the back half of Dan Slott's She Hulk run, um, kind of dealing with her own like insecurities because she was like also kind of a, a meek little girl who was turned into this big like Amazon type character. So super strength, kind of endurance, kind of superpower set. Um, funny that you bring yeah. up Crusher Creel, the absorbing man, for what we're going to be talking about later. <laughs> <laughs> uh do you do, yeah, uh, do you think this is good casting did either either of you did you either of you watch the good place yes oh oh i love the good place uh she is very tall so that is good on that front <laughs> uh yeah i i don't anticipate them showing much about her backstory or if they do they probably won't have it the 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 mousy little girl kind of aspect they might like pick up with her already in her form mm-hmm. i don't i still don't i'm not fully clear what she hulk's going to look like on screen but like titania is like in the same category of size like she's like i think like six five you know like and like she hulk's like seven feet like they're like not that you know it, 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 there's no like tiny person in this situation like they're they're big person and then bigger person um so I think from that standpoint, it's good. Uh, Jamila Jamil is uh, a great actress. I love The Good Place. I thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, her playing a villain is a fun turn. And she's like a little bit uh, in The Good Place, at least. She plays like a more posh kind of character, like someone who is a little aristocratic and kind of snobby, uh, which isn't the vibe I usually get from Titania. Again, th- that might be because of her relationship with Crusher Creel, who is very much a blue collar kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's so maybe she's slumming it with him. And I don't. And I just don't remember that aspect because uh, she's not she's never been an A-list character uh, in the Marvel U. She's been fun to have and she's got a good power set for a good fight if you need 
to have a character for that. Um, and she has a intimate relationship with another character. So it's like good to use dramatically. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, aside from like remembering that she was like into superheroes before she became a supervillain, like she was like a fan. Um, like, I don't remember too much about like, was she rich or not? I, I don't know. <laughs> like, is like, is she supposed to have a British accent? I don't know. Like, and and honestly, who cares? I, like, I, I think, think that's like, all going to work Jamil in her favor. Yeah, the that fact that most people aren't going to know too much about her character uh, is going to work in in the actress's favor. Which I Jamila Jamil, yeah, is always very has a very sunny disposition. So I wonder if that's also going to work in in the character's favor. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, I, like I said, I I think it's a a, a good actress for interesting enough character who is a classic enough She-Hulk associated character. So I think it'll fit well. Um, I, I still just don't, I, I still just don't know what She-Hulk looks like yet. I like, <laughs> I know we've seen some stuff with like Bruce Banner and like mocap suits, but I still have no idea about any of that. Yeah. No, that makes I'm excited, sense. but I'm scared because I love She-Hulk. She's so fun. So a last bit of news, which is more of a rumor that's going around out there is that, uh, Scar, is going to show up in the She-Hulk show. Uh, the son of Hulk from Planet Hulk. Uh, how does everybody feel about that? I mean, obviously, you could tie it in with Thor Ragnarok, with him, with the Hulk being on uh, Sakaar for so long before uh, Thor showed up. Could have definitely impregnated a woman. Absolutely, he did. Are you kidding me? Did you see the way he was hanging out in his room? Like... <laughs> When we see him on like all post fighting, he's just in there, like naked, being like, "I'm the Hulk." I'm, yeah, there's no way he, there's no way he only has one kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been spending years uh, as a champion in this whole battlefield and being treated like a god. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd say I'd say it's likely that that part's not weird. It, uh, what we're not gonna get is like the 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 whole like uh, big nuke that destroys everything kind of situation that happened in the comics. Uh, and then like, he just barely survived the, because he's just too damn angry. <laughs> uh, kind of vibe that, uh, <laughs> this scar had. I, mean, magic also, I don't know if jet. there's anything on the planet that's like strong enough. Sorry, go. Oh no, no, dude, dude, say what you're saying. Cause I can, I can get back to chat here in a second. So say what you're saying. Oh, I was going to say, like, I don't know, uh, like, we didn't really see much about the other inhabitants of the planet, so I don't know if there's any character that would be sort of the equivalent, I forget the name of the of Hulk's lover in that story. I forget um, too. But yeah. she had, like, superpowers. Like, she uh, had, like, the old strength or something like that, where she could, like, become, like, stony and, like, was strong enough to, like, be able to take on the Hulk. Um, and so Scar oh, had she both was. of those powers. <laughs> uh so Magic Bollocks in chat said uh, historically gladiators would get pimped out by their owners, so yeah. it makes sense. <clears throat> so and this was against the, the the Hulk's will, is what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> it depends. I, I was it was it? Now I'm spacing on names, but like, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I lost it. If you were to have to uh, be able to um, 
cast someone to play Scar, who, who would you like to see? I assume it's going to be completely Ooh. CGI, so you just need the voice. Who would you like to see, and why is it Tom Cruise? <laughs> <laughs> Got it in there. Got it Tom in Cruise there. Yeah. just on rewrites where they don't uh, they don't do any CG or anything. <laughs> So it'll be like Jack Reacher where he's supposed to be like seven feet tall and it's just like Tom Cruise 5'5 five five or whatever. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel I don't like- know. I mean, like it could be a great voice actor opportunity. Like you get you find someone yeah. who uh, just doesn't have the right look for a Marvel character, but has like a great voice for it. Um, or you don't. And you find like some hot giant person because like jason momoa would be great for this part but obviously he's not going to be cast in this part but who's the young jason momoa who's baywatch era jason momoa now (laughs) me i'll do it okay that's it all right yeah do the marvel workout i'm gonna get ripped and that's the other thing which is the marvel workout stuff yeah, like we the the choice of actors used to be like, all right, who's in good enough shape to be one of these characters? But now we know that like, oh yeah, well if you just pay them to eat, you know, grilled chicken and take steroids and work out for a year, they anyone can be in these movies. Camila Nanjiani can look freakishly ripped in one of these things. So like, what what good actor or or funny actor or because all we need is someone who's tall. If it's not going to be CG, and if it's not, and if it is CG, it doesn't matter at all. I got it. So, he, and he, he's not working right now. Any well, he is working right now, but he's not working over at DC anymore. Let's get to Henry Cavill as the son of the Hulk. <laughs> Let him keep the mustache. There you go. <laughs> um. So chat is saying uh, Jeremy Irons and Zac Efron. Zach Efron's body, Jeremy Irons' acting ability. <laughs> there we go. Send it. Or the other way around, because I'm I'm here for that too. <laughs> All right, let's talk. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So last thing about this this like Hulk news about uh, Planet Hulk. I wish we would have gotten like actual Planet Hulk. Where he just comes back to Earth and just whoops on everybody. Oh, for the World War Hulk part? Well, yeah, like we send him to space, but this was his choice. Okay, yeah, cool, do your thing. But now, like, he, it's Planet Hulk that we get, and then we come back and we do World War World War Hulk. That's hard to say. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, nobody came to save me. <laughs> I'm mad at everyone. <laughs> Makes me wonder because you know I think it's it's Universal that owns the rights to to the Hulk, so like you can't do a straight up Hulk movie right now. You have to do Hulk teamed up. But if if it's a Disney Plus show, is that considered a movie? Is that just called considered a show? Can they still do World War Hulk the show? I would watch the hell out of that. I would also watch a That's Marvel a Zombies show. show. True. Uh, also, it'd be fun. Yeah, I mean. Because, like, She-Hulk was one of those characters that, like, Marvel rolled out so that they wouldn't be created on the show and then be owned by the show rights. So, like, there is some uh, divorcing of the the rights of She-Hulk from Hulk, the same way Spider-Woman was just, like, put out there real quick uh, so that you wouldn't have competitors picking it up or having her show up in the different media and then, like, them having to pay royalties. So I don't know where the line is between She-Hulk and Hulk on that one. And if they could do a Hulk show, because, again, those rights are always, like, kind of wonky. 
that's why like the, there was like the Marvel Fox X Men TV show deals that they were doing up until they just bought them. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that said, I don't like World War Hulk. <laughs> I, I I like Planet Hulk a lot. I think it's a great comic. Um, World War Hulk disappointed me a lot. Like I was like all pumped being like, look at all these badass characters. Korg is like one of those rock monsters from Thor's first appearance. That's great. Mick is a giant bug monster. Awesome. You know, we got like the whole crew like had been established as being these battle hardened gladiators who fought side by side with the Hulk. And then the actual tie in books were not, not that strong. And like the actual main book, you know, just, just didn't, didn't hit like it. there's one really good moment in that comic. Um, and that is when uh, he goes to the moon and fights Black Bolt. Like, that's a great goddamn moment where he rises up. For, like, it's like, I didn't come to hear you whisper. I came to hear you scream. Uh, <laughs> like, such a cool scene. But, like, when uh, Doctor Strange, like, does the mat, d- when Doctor Strange casts Tensor's transformation on himself so he can be a fighter for a little bit, and he's got, like, mace hands, like, it just, it looked kind of goofy. And, like, John Romita is an artist who's, like, probably good for the Hulk in general, but, like, just didn't look that great in this book and like the stuff Sentry's a character I have issues with anyway so like ending on Sentry was also kind of a thing oh but but mace hands (laughs) (laughs) you can't tell me that that's not mace hands against Hulk hands No, this way you can punch his Hulk hands with your mace hands and it's not gonna be a problem (laughs) I love you know it. what would have made it great if Doctor Strange found the toy Hulk hands and he cast a spell on them so he could use them as at like have the strength of the Hulk while he was wearing those Hulk hands. Yep. I would love that. <laughs> and now I can see Benedict Cumberbatch doing that. That would be a lot of fun, actually. Well, okay, that'd be I'm, great. Put I'm, it in the I'm, I'm back in. Marvel. I'm back in. <laughs> yeah. Marvel. And write this down. Take notes. And this allows him to clear up the whole Inhumans thing because he can show up on the moon and he can just murder all the Inhumans. <laughs> <laughs> and then they could be like, what What? What series are you talking about? Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have matter. <laughs> Do not worry about it. <laughs> and you brought up both characters that Chad had mentioned earlier. Uh, somebody in my chat was like, you know what? If we're talking about shit MCU, Black Bolt and the Inhumans. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Unfortunate. But I think we, is it time to talk about Loki? It's time to talk about Loki because I think we have the, the the device that could possibly take away the Inhumans from the MCU at this point with the TVA. So what did you two think of uh, our first exposure to the TVA and Owen Wilson's Mobius? I want to put this out here real quick. If you haven't seen the first episode, that's what we're going to be talking about. You had a week. This is the cutting edge of our podcast. So I'm sorry in advance, but I really enjoyed it. I think Owen Wilson is great. He's like grizzled cop that's not grizzled cop, and like I'm on board. Yeah, likewise. I I loved it. I I was so excited about all of it. I'm very pumped about the idea of more like time heist type things. Like it was a little weird that D- the DB Cooper thing was just Loki being Loki as opposed to like part of the sort of like fun of Loki being like a secret agent in time kind of thing, which we were kind of sold on, mm-hmm. but I'm here, I'm here for more. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it all. I, I was instantly reminded about how much I like Tom Hiddleston once the show actually started, because I was like a little being like, do I really like him? It's been a while since I've really cared about him. He's not a big part of like the 
of Infinity War, and like, and or Endgame for that matter. So it's been a while <laughs> since he's been a in a big movie, like since Thor Ragnarok, and like even that was like a little after his like his huge meteoric like stardom that came from the first Avengers movie had like kind of simmered down a little bit. So I was like, all right, I don't, you know, we'll we'll see. Like I, I really like. WandaVision, I really like Falcon the Winter Soldier. I'm sure they'll do good. Looking forward to it. And then I was like, damn, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's super charming. Great stuff. Every scene with him, with uh, Owen Wilson, great. L- loved it all. Their, their chemistry is amazing. Uh, all the bureaucracy stuff, fucking incredible. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, let's make everything look like 60s bureaucracy uh, in the worst possible way and have Tara Strong uh, do infomercials. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this, uh, both of you. So, as we as we know from in game time travel in the MCU's its own special thing. Uh, as uh, I believe the Hulk, smart Hulk, kind of explained to us that it happened, so it happened. And going forward in your timeline doesn't mean that you're going to change something that happened in your the past of your timeline, right? So as we see Loki watching his own life play out and a version of him goes on to reconcile with his brother and then eventually die, right? Is it is this version of Loki, since it's a variant, not the version that's going to go on to die? Because that's how I read that scene. I think that's pretty explicit. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't... T- like, I, I think it's pretty explicit that this Loki is not the Loki who has all those adventures uh, and dies at the hands of Thanos. So this is that's is essentially that's the reason why he's like, you know, what 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 happens to me now? Because he's already watched what happens to the other version of him and he knows that's not him. So now what happens to him? And that's when Owen Wilson's like, well, you come to work for us. Right. And chat is saying, like, until they reset him, in which case then he becomes nothing. The Loki that goes on to die. Well, the way I read it is because the, the, the reset just kills it off kills kills off that branch yeah it, it resets it back yeah, so to the the main timeline so if you reset that loki he's now like loki prime so he be, he's the one that would then go on to to do the thing yeah so the reset is the thing that i find really interesting in, in this because we know that there was a system of time travel using the quantum realm established in in endgame and there's also the time stone which I think is much more uh, more limited in terms of like uh, its impact on reality. Mm-hmm. Like, was was the assertion by them being able to go in and reset timelines that all of those like parallel realities that were created in in game uh, with all their different shenanigans, like were all of those reset shortly thereafter? Like the like the cleanup crew came in and like wiped it all away, or or, or like or were all of those still part of the same? timeline even if they're branching realities which i think could still be a sort of a defined thing like um like the marvel like multiverse in its main kind of line like there are there are universes that are not just like oh time was altered and so there are divergent points like the squadron supreme world is very different from like the main 616 universe and they actually like interact regularly like crossing back and forth between each each reality and it was only a later idea that you'd have like other hyperions from different worlds and other doctor spectrums and stuff like um 
at, at first it was very much like these this is the main world where these characters exist and this world has like our normal marvel characters and then there's the new universe and this has those characters which are different realities not necessarily different timelines like i think <laughs> like we're get, we're getting into a whole like space and time are all different sides of the same coin and like all that shit but uh but, but they said the Avengers were meant to do that, which meant that mucking with time by itself is not the thing that they're trying to stop. I would have to assume that at this point we 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 figure out, especially with what happens with the timekeepers and what we know of the timekeepers, that Captain America, Steve Rogers, goes back in time and com- and does the task of bringing back the, the individual stones at the exact moment that they left. So him retiring is not a variant because he was always meant to do that. Right, but we do know that at least they're forked realities. Like, it is weird at the end of the movie where Captain America is sitting there old. So maybe at that, the reality, we've, we've just been kicked over to that reality, and that's the only true reality now, and not the one we'd started in. Uh, like, maybe everything from when Cap goes back that last time, we're now in that new future, or that new alternate reality. Maybe that's the explanation. Um, <laughs> fucking batshit to think about. Like it's, <laughs> uh, but I don't know because like we we know that like the Gamora from the past has is now living in the future, and that the future version of of Gamora is dead. Like she's still around out there, and also we know that Nebula killed Nebula. Like the future version of Nebula killed the past version of Nebula. True. So, like it's. Like the 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 realities have to be able to fork. This is not gargoyles where like all the time travel that happens uh, <laughs> like later in the series was actually set up in the first episode. Like <laughs> it, it, it's not a it's not a Terminator one timeline. It's a Terminator two timeline. That's fair. Uh, I think the, the, what what's going to really blow our minds when we get to episode six of of Loki and we find out that the three. Li- Space lizard people are actually Steve Rogers, Tony Stark, and Thor. Like they went back in time, decided <laughs> no one gets the best with the timeline after we did. <laughs> Just no, nobody else. It's only us. Um, so my, I have conversations as these shows come out with the people that I work with. Oh no! <laughs> yes. Um, one of them was like, I was kind of on board until we saw the drawer full of infinity stones. And then I was just like, that, that's where it lost me. Like, how, how are you going to have a drawer full of the most powerful things in the universe? Like, well, it's because they're not the most powerful things there. Yep. And if it's, if, if it's just timelines on timelines on timelines, you're going to get all these confiscated. Like, and nobody cares because they don't do anything here. He's like, ah, I just think that's really dumb. It's like, well, you're really dumb. Shut up. <laughs> See, that was the. I think that was the best <laughs> thing that they could have done with the show. It. it and I. I mentioned this on. Uh, on Geeks Watch. It's. It's. It, it literally is Kevin Feige being like, forget about them. They, they. They don't mean anything anymore. That was the old phase. That was the Infinity Saga. We're moving on to the next thing. They are now obsolete. Yeah. Yeah. And also, there's a there. There is a, a a canon in the comics of the Infinity Gems not working in different realities, right? Uh, like not working in realities that are not their own, but able to traverse different planes, like going to the astral plane or the dimension of death or whatever, like with a reality stone. So, like 
I don't know. Like the the whole concept of like different realities versus different timelines might be its own kind of fucking thing. Oh my god! Like my, my like my eyes are going to start bleeding very soon if we keep too much on this thread. But it could be that like either this place that they're in outside of time and outside of the the corporeal reality just manifested looking like sixties bureaucratic bullshit uh, because that is loki's comfort place or maybe like someone's comfort place uh our comfort place i don't know um maybe that's just like oh yeah it just doesn't work here or it just or they don't work elsewhere anyway because like that was i think created in the avengers jla uh yep. crossover where dark side got a hold of them and they're like oh they well they don't work here uh so i guess it's not a big deal <laughs> throw them away uh <laughs> uh that and another thing I wanted to bring up that I've been seeing a lot of people talk about was um, the whole Coulson part. So when uh, Mobius is is showing uh, Loki his life and saying, you know, you were a cruel person, you killed Coulson, people are saying that means that the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist or doesn't exist in the MCU because it doesn't mention the fact that he's been, he, he is brought back to life. Well, it's like, I'm, I, to me, that's, that wasn't what Mobius was trying to do. Like the, the idea is that they don't know that most people didn't know that Coulson came back to life. So why would Mobius tell Loki who just killed Coulson just a couple, like a couple hours earlier, or a day earlier in that, in Avengers. So I don't think it 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 takes away it deletes the MC uh, the Agents of Shield from the from the MCU and that's just because I like the show. <laughs> I, I I would agree because like if you if you watch the show you you know it worked yeah. like like it's not that he he didn't die they he died he was re- resurrected with with space tech um, <laughs> and that's how the sh- spoiler for season one of. of <laughs> <laughs> the shield, or sh- not the shield. Pardon me. Agents of shield. <laughs> Sorry, spoilers for for shield or agents of shield. Pardon me. Yeah, <laughs> not, not not the Michael Chiklis bad cop show. Um, <laughs> that he's a bad cop. Not that the show's bad. The show's good. <laughs> nope. You heard it here. That's Casey's opinion Come at me, on the shield show. Fans. <laughs> on the show Shield said it sucks, and everybody who watches it sucks. From like 2002, well, I think. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, but like I, I agree. Like I don't think it does anything. Uh, like for one thing, it's still true. He still actually killed him, mm-hmm. and that's still the the thing he did was murder. So it doesn't like absolve him of a crime just because they had the means. Because it's not like oh you wounded him and he could have died. It's no, he actually died. So like that part's true. And also, why would you tell him that part? That's like the footnote that's right. like exactly. kind of defangs like the dramatic impact of if you're trying to be like here's the moral: you murdered a person. Like you should try to be better. Like that's always true. It, like there's no reason to defang that and be like, oh, you, you almost hurt a person. You could have hurt a person. You could have messed up a timeline. You might have killed your mom by accident. Like, <laughs> Indirectly. No, it, your mom is dead because of you. Like Phil Carlson's dead because of you. <laughs> that guy lost an uh, eye because he of you. Re- was revived, but he was dead. Yeah. What were you gonna like, say? I, I really enjoyed the scene. I, I don't even know if you could call it just the scene, but like the moments of uh, of almost being like, "Why do you do the thing? Mm-hmm. Why? Why?" And he's like, "Because blah blah blah." And then eventually, like, they get real on it for a minute, <laughs> and you know that Loki's totally self-aware, 
and like he gets it and it's like oh that's all right cool like i i like that i like the i like the 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 psychology behind loki understanding what he's doing but not being able to kind of help himself or like he thinks he's helping himself by understanding what he's doing and still doing it like i don't know it was a good scene no it shows the talent that is tom, tom hilson that he was able to wisecrack and and be comical throughout most of the episode and then on the almost the turn of a hat you know uh he he makes you feel he breaks your heart Uh like i was cast as the villain and that's why i'm doing villainous things but i don't want to be bad like kind of thing like almost breaking the third the fourth wall Uh, i didn't know until chat told me Uh, i was malfoy that brought it up um he's the executive producer on the show so he has a lot of like say and what's going on with his own character like that's really cool yeah that's what i've i've heard I, the couple of things that happened in the first episode were directly because of, oh the odin part the odin saying i love i love you both my sons like was added in because tom hiddleston said this would be perfect for my character and it worked it was it was good yep also chat has yeah, agreed that, made, that makes sense yeah chat has agreed that we all heard it um the the quote saying widely beloved uh, widely beloved cop drama the shield is terrible <laughs> and it's it's decided to you case um i don't think i don't think you'll be able to escape that one anytime soon around here uh, <laughs> uh to finish it up any other favorite parts from the first episode and uh what are you looking forward to for the continuance of the season case you know that's that's a good question. I like the I like the setup of like what the stakes are going to be going forward. Seeing this, these sort of realities that are kind of becoming branched off and you know too far gone, um, and the implication that it is a uh, a different realities version of Loki that is causing it and is going to be the antagonist. Um, I I have a feeling that the rest of the show is going to be very different from this pilot, just because this pilot has a lot of exposition mm-hmm. uh, of like it gets it it catches Loki up on the character direction or uh, progression that we we the audience got to see him go through in Thor Ragnarok and Thor, you know Thor the Dark World and 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 the uh, Avengers movies, um, and the, now going forward we're we're going to see those kind of stories which is i think why they did the db cooper scene the way they did just to be like get a scene like that in if there's going to be things like it e- even if it's not like him in historical periods just him traveling period and doing missions will be a very different vibe from what this actual episode was i'm really excited for um <clears throat> gender fluid loki <laughs> Because I've heard a couple of rumors that we're getting like like female Loki soon, and then I'm hoping this leads to a just more like ambiguous Loki. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I like I'm, that. I'm here for that. Yeah, I, I'm here for that. As a non-binary person, I want that representation um, coming from Loki. I don't think there's a better character to be that kind of representation. Where it's I'm everything and nothing and whatever I want to be, so deal with it. Um, like I, I like that; it's exciting. No, yeah, and I think one of the uh, one way I heard some other people describe this first episode is more like an issue zero. If you're a comic book reader, like it's yeah. it literally is just mm-hmm. setting it up for uh, to catch you up on what it is that Loki is at this point. Uh, all right. Let's get talking about Hulk 2003. 
starring Yay! Eric Bana and uh, Nick Nolte Woo! and Jennifer Connelly, Sam Elliott. Yeah, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott's mustache. Like, come on. They are billed separately, yeah. and it, you do have to pay them separately. <laughs> That's as well. right. That's right. I, uh, apparently, there was quite a bit of uh, controversy about his mustache because the mustache is such an iconic part of Thunderbolt Ross, and like Sam Elliott is known for magnificent mustaches. But he was like, "But if I'm a military guy, wouldn't they make me shave it?" And that's why they end up with like kind of a Hitler stash, where it's like super close cropped. Yeah, it was it was kind of weird to watch it. Look at it. That was like, "Ooh, why did they do that to his mustache?" But that does make sense. They they wouldn't allow him as, as a military person to be too overgrown. Yeah. So like Elliot was fighting to not have it because he didn't think it was appropriate for the character in the like in a real military. But they were like, no, it's too iconic to the comic. So, <laughs> it's a comic book. Uh, Sam, come on. Bits. Yeah. And they cast you for your so mustache, I, you turd. <laughs> kind of. Well, also his voice. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I would argue that Sam Elliott is probably the best piece of casting in this entire movie. Uh, but I love Sam Elliott. Um I also should say before we get too deep into this, like, oh my god, like you can't tell because of the color correction from the camera, but my my glasses are so rose tinted uh, for this movie because <laughs> this came out at like what my friends and I referred to as quote unquote the summer of fun, which is we were nineteen and we had just enough disposable income that we could hang out and. Uh, we, we, we like we all had like summer jobs, but it was like just summer jobs, so it was not a huge deal. We could drink and party and and have a good time. And I was like so here for this kind of like no look, it's an intellectual superhero movie, guys. Um, and it occurred to me that then like a year later, like Garden State came out, and it's like yep, this is the same audience. Like it's the same <laughs> audience who's looking for these kind of things right here. <laughs> um, my chat is demanding that we res- like hashtag restore the Norton verse. Oh wow. I mean, it didn't really go anywhere. They That's still part of canon, which I would kind of say that this movie goes right into, almost goes right into the Norton movie. Yeah, it definitely plays it. Like, the... Uh, people have been talking about that aspect for a while. Like the the Norton movie was never quite clear if it wanted to fully distance itself from this movie versus not, um, and so they kind of allow it to function as a, as a soft sequel. Um, so it is kind of a crazy to think in your head. Like, imagine if like Mark Ruffalo had been cast in this movie, and like the all three Hulk movie, or, or rather those two Hulk movies, and that, all of the MCU Hulk appearances were all one canon. Like. I kind of like it. It's not that bad. Like no. there's, there's some issues with this movie. I'm not going to deny it. There are some issues with this movie, <laughs> which we'll talk about, but, uh, th- there is an interesting story there. Um, and I think that Eric Bannett was probably not a good choice for Bruce Banner. Uh, despite the fact that his name is so close, uh, for one <laughs> no, thing, he's just too, 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 too physically menacing a guy. Yes, he is so <laughs> like, tall. They tried to make yeah, him Seth look Rogen so he, small. He has arms like people have legs. Yeah, they tried to they like yeah. tried to put him in baggy clothing to make him look skinny and stuff. I'm like, no, you can still tell that he is he's pretty whole, like bulking underneath that. Yeah, I I just had I just had a hard time getting through this movie. <laughs> And I don't know if it's if it's fatigue from all of the Hulk movies and all the backdoor pilots. And, <laughs> but there wasn't even Golden Retriever Thor to make this movie better. There wasn't. You're right. 
I wouldn't, uh, but there was almost a golden retriever. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I mean, we got a poodle, a terrier, and a, and a pit bull. <laughs> well, yeah, golden retriever had to have been right around the corner. Uh, the, yeah. This movie is like two hours and 20 minutes long, and that is probably about 40 minutes too long. Like, I got to a minute 20, or a minute 20, an hour 20. And I was like, this is the end, right? This is where the movie's over because this is the first time they capture him. Yeah, when they first capture him. I was like, oh, okay, cool. We're about, and I looked at it because I stopped it for the night because I was already pretty late last night and I had to finish it today. It said an hour left of this movie. I was like, good Lord, I can't believe that. Right. There were no fights. But then you get the, uh, probably the best part of the movie, which is like the desert fight. Yes. This is true. Um, like with the military trying to track down the Hulk, like that's th- th- like as as a comic fan coming into it, having been like most of the adaptations that we've gotten of the Hulk, or most people know the Hulk from the like the you know the Bill Bixby show, uh, the Fergno show. Like we haven't, we we just never seen like a proper like Hulk in the desert fighting the military kind of scene, and this is the first time we really got it on screen. It was great. You know, like it's exactly what we want. He takes like he takes part of a tank and uses it a hammer to beat another tank. Like it's so good. <laughs> Was this also the first like talking cameo of Sam? Uh, Sam Stan Neil Stan Lee. That's his name. We can fix it. We can fix it after we can edit that out. Okay, good. Because <laughs> he comes he comes out of the university talking to Lou Ferrigno. They're both security guards. I imagine there's probably been lines at some point, but I I would have to look like I I don't know off the top of my head because I'm just thinking about what we've seen so far in the first Spider-Man. Uh, you guys movie. would know better than me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As of as of right now, I'm inclined to say yes. Because yeah, the the let's see, the first X-Men movie, he's just on the beach. The first Spider-Man movie, he's uh, where is he in the first Spider-Man movie? He's on the balcony. I, I'm, completely, I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, I'm completely. I'm gonna lost. look it up. Uh, Daredevil, he gets stopped by the young, young Matt Murdock uh, before he walks out into the street, and then in Trial of the Incredible Hulk, he's uh, a juror, so he doesn't have anything to say there either. Yeah, I mean, I was super familiar with what his voice sounded like because he did like plenty of interviews oh yeah uh he did all the intros for all the marvel action hour stuff in the 90s uh he was in mall rats so like i i don't i may not have processed like oh it's a big deal that he's talking um it was just more like look he's on screen with ferrigno by the way ferrigno plays a security guard in both both hulk movies and easily could be the same character in both oh definitely uh, <laughs> connection it does work really well as a, as a prequel connection did you find something in i got baited in that's gonna like, be a oh, really hard he wasn't spider-man for. I was like, here's where he wasn't Spider-Man. Let's talk about Spider-Verse. <laughs> I'm upset. Keep just keep going. I'm gonna dig here for a minute. Alright. Let so let, let's talk about this movie just as a whole, because I think a lot of people get turned off because this movie is a lot of a lot of things. Like everyone is capital A acting every scene they're in, especially Jennifer Conley. Oh, yeah. I forgot how big of a ham she is. Oh, you, you like, want to talk about hams? I Nick Nolte I've is the biggest ham. Labyrinth as the, uh, you broke up a little bit there. So. Oh, sorry. No, uh, I was just saying you want to talk about hams. Nick Nolte was the biggest ham, but you were speaking about Labyrinth. Oh, all, 
Yeah, well, yeah. So, like, Labyrinth is probably the other movie I've seen Jennifer Connelly in the most. Like, I've seen her in other stuff, like Rocketeer and, and other things. And the uh, Dark City is probably another one. But, like, the like Labyrinth, she's, like, a child who's, like, an overly dramatic kid who, like, <laughs> likes to read, like, uh, plays and poetry out loud in the park kind of thing. And then you look at this movie and you're like, oh, she's doing kind of the same types of, of line deliveries in here. Like, you were going to die and I was going to have to watch you die. But, like, really, really hardcore kind of line deliveries on that one so that's that's a thing i realize and that goes for everyone in this movie like eric banna has some weird ass lines like the lines that probably shouldn't be said but again this is an ang lee movie this is an ang lee movie yes in addition to ang lee being like very into sort of an artsy type thing and trying to do some stuff with that which we'll we'll talk about in a second but like the other thing is that ang lee is not of english native speaker and I have heard this argument before on other things that have been translated, uh, particularly Super Sentai to uh, Power Ranger stuff, where like when they bring over non-native speakers, it sometimes changes the rhythm of the dialogue and how they think dialogue should be presented in a scene. Not, I'm not saying this is necessarily bad. I'm just saying like it's like oh yeah, you can kind of spot it. Like the way that they sort of like uh, truncate kind of sentences and like uh, focus on certain parts of it and like. Um, give those deliveries like you could really see Ang Lee trying to be like no this will be like has this like sort of poetic like um kind of appearance to it all um like when when he's going like when he's trying to describe his heart and Mm -hmm. things like that Mm -hmm. like you can be like oh this will this will be an oscar type scene here um it'll be so beautiful to like discuss this person trying to explain the dream that is the hulk that is buried within within him you know uh it's it's a lot going on there, and everyone's line deliveries uh, are fucking incredible. <laughs> but so much of this movie, uh, to me, and I thought about this back when I first saw it in two thousand three, but like even more so now that so much of this movie looks like a comic book, like a live action comic book. Like you have the <laughs> the panels, you have the part where Talbot dies, like it's an explosion. He he turns into an outline, and then the outline kind of like dissipates. Like it looks like. Like a like a comic book would would read, yeah. Which I think that's sort of a part of the problem is that Ang Lee was given the chance to do quote unquote a comic book movie, and the Hulk is a really well well known property. So it wasn't I don't think focusing on let's make the best Hulk movie possible. He was trying to make the best comic book movie possible, and the Hulk feels weird to us as an audience because uh, he exists pretty well outside of just comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, like if this was Thor or if this was new gods or any other like big Jack Kirby thing, like if this was, if this was fantastic Four, I think a lot of people would have been down for it. But like, while the Hulk is a, a Kirby creation, like, I don't think the, the weird out there kind of structure elements that Kirby is known for introducing really made that much of an impact on, on how we perceive the character. Like while, yeah, sure. Splash panels are great and like make a big impact on a character like the Hulk. I don't think it really like we think about like, all those like crazy big splash pages on like the, what seven issues that hurt that Kirby was the illustrator on. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just not what we associate with. I mean, this would be like this, this type of filming would be great for the Eternals. Like that's that's fucking pure Kirby right there. Like get some weird comic booky kind of shit going on. Like you could, I, I'm not saying that that would be better than what we're gonna get. I'm just speculating that it could be fine. Uh, so what I'm hearing, but is I that- maintain like New Gods would have 
would have been perfect. What I'm hearing is I want to see uh, Ang Lee come back and do a Fantastic Four movie then. So, like, that's, that's just what needs to happen. <laughs> I kind of would be down for some of that. Because, like, I I like the things he's trying to do. Like, from right from the get-go, he does the green Marvel logo, uh, which was, like, apparently a big fight to get that to happen. Um, and then he does, like, the real... I, I really like the opening sequence into the sort of flashback part of it all. Um like the the way we get the camera angles, there's like some really cool overlapping shots. Like when David Banner is told by his wife, I forget the mom's name, uh, that uh, she's pregnant. Like they they are positioned in a way that is impossible in actual camera work, but you can do on comics. Like they're they're trying to do these comic book shots, and they're they're setting up that language so that when we get into the actual movie as a whole, they can slow it slow it down a little bit, but bring it back when they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I think it's really cool. I think the music's really good. It's a Danny Elfman score. That's really cool. We've got like great transitions of things. We we start setting up all these sort of weird ideas, but it's just so complicated once we get into the actual story. Like they have all of the artifice that it, the Hulk had accrued, like all the trauma, all the Peter David. Like he's got different personalities lying in there, stuff going on. It's all in here, and then he's got also uh, genetic mutations from his father passed down via his Y chromosome plus nanorobots and gamma radiation to all kind of make a cocktail swarming together to make him a big green monster guy. Like, it, everything is complicated in this movie and also melodramatic and hammy. <laughs> I guess that's... Oh, go ahead, Ian. There's no, there's no simple answer anywhere whatsoever. In this movie, if they had put in the script, is the sky blue? There would not have been a yes. <laughs> Right, they would ask whoever asked that question to be like, well, tell me about your dreams so we can answer that question appropriately. (laughs) Right, like, oof. And I did find the answer. This is his first uh, speaking cameo. Okay. Uh, What did you both think of the new quote-unquote origin of the Hulk? Uh, You know, as as we're adding in this whole, his father was a scientist that passed, passed along the genetic mutation, uh, the nanobots and gamma radiation, and and we don't have the na- the gamma bomb uh, as we've seen in the comic books. We don't, you know, we have. There's a whole bunch of uh, added elements that Case brought up to uh, how the, the Hulk was created this time. I think it was too convoluted like for we- your your kind of restarting the Hulk for people who aren't already kind of comic book headed to be able to go. Yeah, it makes sense. Because let's face it, anybody who reads comic books, we could be told the most outlandish thing, and there's some sort of suspension of disbelief with us that we can go, okay, <laughs> like sure, why not? But there's there's too much happening mm-hmm. with this origin. Mm-hmm. Pick one, just just one, and we can move on from there. Yeah, it's it, it is a lot, and it, um, by by this point, we're starting to get comics that are trying to like tie the Hulk back in with the Super Soldier Serum, so that had already started to like be in the conversation, and then was fully adopted for Incredible Hulk. Um, I, the the thing I really appreciate about 
the way they do his origin in this movie is that they find a way to combine both the Gamma Bomb 60s origin and also the Bill Bixby, here's a lab test kind of scenario mm-hmm. origin. Um, because we get the all the stuff with the father, and like killing the mom, and then there's the explosion on at, at the lab that they all see in the distance and they all have like vague memories of, which is like this green Gamma Bomb kind of thing. And then we also have him ha- having an al- like an actual act of altruism, which... Uh, we don't really see any indication that like the MCU Hulk did, um, but that is a key part of the comic origin. Like that, the Hulk throws Rick Jones into like safety, like either gets him to the bunker or gets him to the trench or whatever to avoid the blast. In this case, he hops in the way and takes the hit. Like that is a, a moment of heroism from Bruce Banner that sometimes people overlook in terms of their adaptations of the Hulk. They like just jump to the, like the you know conflicted monster part. And I love the Bill Bixby, like Hulk. I, I maintain that the the pilot for the Bill Bixby Hulk show is the best Hulk movie we have ever gotten. Uh, but this is at least trying to to take all of those things and create a synthesis of it all. I don't think it succeeds, but I think it's trying really hard. So where do you both think that the we went that this one goes wrong? Like other than being convoluted, I mean, I think in two thousand three it didn't have a real big reception. Like uh, 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 people that weren't talking about this movie in a good way after watching it. So I think this might answer a little bit of that. Um, Magic Bollocks and Chad here just said. Probably the lamest aspect is that the Hulk's power was ignited by basically bad uh, bad wiring on the machine and getting shocked. Fair. It's not it's not a very dramatic uh, opening, as as in a, bo- a bomb is about to drop and I need to save this kid that's that's on the thing. But he's but as Case brought it up, he's still it is still an act of her- heroism. Like yeah, the guy's what his uh, ID badge gets caught on on a piece of equipment as he's fixing something that shorted out and, and thus the, everything starts, starts on its own kind of thing. Yeah, and then they do basically a Dr. Manhattan kind of setup, but yeah. like still with like at least a little bit of him stepping in the way. Yeah. I, the, the, like the lab accident radiation explosion thing is just such a trope at this point that it like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonder I why feel they nothing didn't, about it. Like I don't know if it's good or bad. Like I wonder why they didn't name that the that that character Rick Jones. Why did they name him Harper instead? I wonder if if there's it's just Rick Jones is owned by someone else, and yet we haven't seen a Rick Jones in all the MCU yet. It's probably a Marvel thing in general because he he as a character, while he's part of Hulk's origin. Uh, has been a big part of a lot of stuff. Like he served as Bucky for a little while yeah. for Captain America, and has been like he also was the the other side of Captain Marvel for mm-hmm. multiple iterations, um, and was actively in a comic book at the time uh, that was a Captain Marvel comic. So I don't know, like I I don't know if they uh, if they wanted to like have that be bundled with the rights because it's the same deal that like uh, Fox had like the like any mutant that was created was fair game for Fox to use in X-Men movies, uh, which is why they like dramatically cut down creating Marvel like mutant characters in the comics. Uh, and I don't know what deal they had here, like what things were part of the Hulk package when they, when they optioned it. I just, I just, 
am sad to think that Rick Jones is lost in bureaucracy somewhere. He can't be in any movies or any TV shows because it wasn't written into the contracts per- properly. <laughs> uh, he's hanging out at the TVA just waiting. Oh, is that who Casey is? I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, can we talk about the actual Hulk for a minute? Which is what I was going to say because he's I way too green. Love well, uh, I the the green is a, its own thing, and I uh, yeah. But I love one aspect about it, which is this is the first time that I ever looked at the Hulk and thought that that was Bruce Banner. Okay, like it, when, in a comic book, it never feels the same. But it's 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 a drawn character, and usually their faces are fairly abstract. But oftentimes they make it much more monstrous. And when it was the Bixby, it it was Ferrigno. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's literally two different people playing the same body but it like it, it's a transformation it feels uh like etrigan the demon or or like a captain marvel kind of thing like it like different people um in this case it feels like eric banna has been like uh had a hose pumped into his back uh particularly into his muscles and someone was just like uh like you know doing like an air compressor to like fill him up and make him real big um and while there are certainly adaptations and interpretations of the Hulk where having them as distinct characters is really important to the story that they're telling, in this one in particular, the entire narrative is around the the trauma of Bruce Banner and how he's dealing that by way of uh, – and like what the Im- impact of him having powers are having on it. Uh, and so having it be a central person that retains the same face and feels like the same character from scene to scene is really – a cool aspect of the story they're telling here. Cause this was a one when they started using the face mapping of like whoever the character, whoever the actor playing Bruce Banner to, for the Hulk, right? Like, I mean, obviously the technology wasn't there for anything before this, but, uh, I believe they also had Ang Lee do the motion capture for the Hulk, like just the body movement. Yeah. Yeah, for like the fights and and all that, he got really into how he wanted the movement to look on on screen. Which, for a person who directed Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I completely believe that. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be all about that. I'm sorry, Ian, I cut you off a second ago. No, you're fine. Um, Did did y'all watch the regular Hulk, or did you watch the special edition? I watched whatever was available on Showtime. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what's the special edition i watched the two disc special edition which is probably not actual special edition it's probably just i think this is just the theatrical cut okay with commentary track and deleted scenes yeah because um I, I watched the like extended edition oh geez <laughs> and there's like if we were talking about the movie being too long to begin with <laughs> Uh, there's a whole section of the movie that's just sad boy hours Hulk out in the desert before the fight, <laughs> just out there being sad about being the Hulk. And I'm like, thank God this was cut from the theatrical version because this does nothing for anything. <laughs> I'm curious about where, because we still have scenes like that in the movie. Yeah, I saw that in the movie. Like it's Yeah, like it's when he's that, on like the Mesa and he's like looking at the flowers. And, yep. Yeah, but it's more of that. Okay. It's like they cut those scenes in half and then put those half of scenes back to back. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, I'm really curious now. Yeah, it was it was not a good time. How did you watch it? That's what we had. Oh, that's just the version you had. Okay. 
have to remember right. that. Um, so what do you guys think about the Hulk getting bigger? Like, he gets really big in this. It's, it's almost like size-changing powers more than just, like, hulking out kind of powers. Yeah, so as he as the movie progresses and as he gets angrier, uh, he becomes larger. I thought it was... It's a little too uh, deus ex machina, right? It's too much of, well, uh, if he has a problem, he just gets bigger kind of thing instead of coming up with any other way to solve the problem. I, I mean, that is also the Hulk, though. That is like the, the Hulk. The matter you're, he gets, the stronger he gets part. You're absolutely right. I just thought that, like, the more that the... the like, okay, like, perfect example is getting caught in the foam, right? Okay, so what do you do at this point? Well, I just get angrier. And so thus he got bigger and just expanded outside of the of the foam. So it it just it was a it's 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 the sonic screwdriver to the doctor, right? It's just the catch all. It's like if I come up to the to the thing, use use item A and I'm good. Yeah, I I mean like the the current run of Hulk comics and I I haven't read it so immortal I've just been like kind of trying to follow peripherally the, the the immortal hulk stuff like where the gamma radiation is like linked to like the abyss below and there's like the supernatural aspect i feel it has kind of the same element of like here's a extra thing on top of the simple he got hit by radiation now he, he now he angry strong like <laughs> it this one just isn't hit right like it's okay well we got you know the nanobots and they're making them bigger and these mutations and all that like I thought for a first movie where he gets so big because he gets big from very early on, like the the first time he hulks out, um, or rather the second time he hulks out, the one when um, uh, when he first does it at his house and then like leaves and goes find, and finds Betty, like he's really tall, mm-hmm. like he's like twenty five feet tall when he when she first sees him, um, like he's like relative to her, which her, her like five year old self was to a full grown Eric Bana, which is bigger than a regular person. Um, and so, like that—that that size was like, all right. Well, he's—he's he's real big in a way that's like Maul or like some of the other like Hulk knockoffs that have existed over the years. Um, but it was like, all right. But it, you know, he's still effectively the same powers. It's just like they're manifesting it by actually having mass as opposed to just being just stronger without an explanation for the strength. Um, and. I don't know. Like, I, I was thinking, like, well, if this was the first in like a series of Hulk movies, and he stabilized in size, maybe once all the, once he had worked out his his issues or whatever, uh, whatever kind of explanation they have for it, it would be like, all right, that could that could be fine, because like as, ever since then they've they've locked his size, I think, like at eight feet or whatever, um, so that he, he doesn't get bigger as he fight or as he fights longer. Fair, yeah. I've always wanted to know what his pants are made of. <laughs> the pants were the hardest thing like, to to be CGI'd in this in this movie. Like, <laughs> like every time they he moved or got bigger, like the pants. I don't know. They it just seemed off. Like all of it just seemed yep. wrong. I think, I think they were added after initial renders because there was a whole issue about how we wanted the Hulk to be naked most of the time. You know what? I can uh, see that. Because of him growing and the pants being impossible to stretch. And censors made him put it on. Or maybe not censors, but like studio execs being like, you, you can't have just like Hulk dick everywhere. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're telling me that we could have had a movie. <laughs> only only when Thor's full. in the room. <laughs> you're, you're telling me that 
there was a potential that we could just had a movie full of Hulk dick and we were robbed of that because that's funny. I, I mean, yes, yes, I am telling you that. <laughs> I, I mean, later you you get you know in Watchmen you get uh, Doctor Manhattan penis just flopping around. I'm, I'm sure Ang Lee was just a little bit pissed. He's like, "Dang it, <laughs> I wanted to do that earlier, <laughs> 2003." <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, you. I think you can tell. Like you can tell that those shorts were rendered later because, like, the way even Eric Bana moves, like it's like he. You could tell that he's probably naked. Like it's just it doesn't look like the pants are part of the body. All right. So how much? How many Hulk wieners do you think that that? <laughs> CG artist had to go through and remove and replace with pants. Uh, this is the butthole cot situation, by the way. Right <laughs> do you think? Do you think that it was just kind of covered up, or removed and replaced? I mean, I'm going to say it was just covered up, and I'm honestly going to say that there was probably what not too many scenes where it was initially drawn in the first place. Like it, it was. I imagine a lot of things were being covered in shadow or perfectly placed branch or something like that you need a whole ass or tree it could be like that, a gorilla like, oh okay well it could, it could be like a true gorilla where like uh gorillas have like proportionally like one of the smallest phalluses of any primate huh <laughs> so, i didn't know that the more so maybe you that, know <laughs> Yeah, so it's 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 as a result of actually having this like uh, this family unit structure or like large like herd unit structure, um, and also having a fair amount of sexual dimorphism allow or like results in this sort of silverback scenario where they basically have uh, like no rivals within their community sexually and very little autonomy from the females in terms of like accepting it versus like a more egalitarian and less sexually di- or less sexual uh, sexual dimorphic. Uh, primate like humans where women and men are about the same size and have about the same muscle mass with like little differences but like not not enough and women can make decisions on what they want and so they could be like oh yeah I would prefer that that penis instead of that penis and that's why we've evolved bigger penises <laughs> <laughs> thank you there Professor go, Case <laughs> <laughs> thank you Case that's I like that was a great explanation of that no memes on that um <laughs> Malfoy wants to know how many Hulk wieners could you take to the cleaners if you could take Hulk wieners to the cleaners? Four. The cleaners they're, has they're, a limit at four. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. After four, it's just unruly, and you're, <laughs> nope, we're not doing that. <laughs> and Garrett says, from Muppets last week to this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's it. Well, so, so it would be Sweetums, right? Who would play play Hulk in this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and Kermit is, as Bruce Banner. So, uh, so he goes from being green to not green. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, what I brought up earlier with the Absorbing Man, uh, giving Crusher Creel's powers to David Banner, the new father of Bruce Banner. Uh, how did you feel about that? And, and it's definitely a different type of absorbing man because not only does he absorb the aspect, uh, the attributes of whatever he touches, he also kind of gets sucked into whatever it is that he touches. Yeah. 
I think the blood bit is cool, and I think like where it like turns into like that like um like congealed mass that then like gets sucked back in. I think that the f- the next shot where like the blood gets absorbed in and then he starts taking on the properties of blood mm-hmm. um is like a weird bit right there and i think that primes us all for being like yeah they're doing a weird fucking red abomination dope because we all kind of want it like at, at this time we were all very much primed for like first superhero movie has evil counterpart of the hero um, with same basic power sets or same similar origin type stuff. And like, we're already all set up for that. And people were like, yeah, the abomination's like evil Hulk. It'll work. And we're like, oh, he's got scales and like weird little tentacle things like coming off of his skin. That could be a cool abomination right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he turns his hand, he touches steel and merges with steel. And we're like, wait, what? What happened? So we were instantly dissatisfied after what actually looked kind of cool. <laughs> Like it, it looked like the scales looked kind of cool, and we're like, I like I would have been down for Red Abomination uh, preceding Red Hulk, and like that would, that would have been a good look. And then, then no, 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 no. Uh, that said, ha- I like the special effects on the merge, like when his hand like f- fuses with like the metal or whatever right there, like yeah. that first time. Yeah. Did we did we have Red Hulk in the comic books at this point in two thousand three? Not yet. No. Okay. Uh, no, that was a couple of years later. Yeah, and then the fight scene between him and uh, the Hulk, like when he you know absorbs the rock, and then eventually they they go in the water, and he he turns he, he does he turn himself into ice, thus freezing the lake. I was confused on that one. That last fight is especially because it eventually just becomes them up in the sky. It's little like glimpses is very much like the sort of like weird poetry that <laughs> Ang Lee is trying to do in this movie. Um, I, I don't know. It's not a good fight and it's not a it doesn't matter. Like it, it's it's really trying to push this whole metaphor thing. And like I like that they're trying to do more than just like. He's got superpowers up. There's now all of a sudden there's someone who's really dangerous. How will the Hulk deal with it? Like, which could have been like a very bare bones kind of like plot, like kind of incredible Hulk, like the incredible Hulk. I like as a movie, but like it is very simple uh, relative to this movie. Uh, And I don't think it deals a lot with like the what is going on in Bruce's head as much as this one is trying to. And I'm not saying that they are subtle. And I'm not saying that it's nuanced, but they're trying to do a lot in this movie. Uh, and by the end, they're just like, no, no, we have to have a metaphor of Hulk and his father lightning in the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> this movie did too much or tried to do too much. It did. You're right. Yeah. It, there were so many spots in this movie where I was like, are we about to have a good movie? Nope. Like, I, I could see this being a thing, and then they would get in their own way. <laughs> Or maybe not even a good movie. Are we about to have an enjoyable experience? <laughs> so as where mine last week with the Daredevil was my... I, I understand that there's flaws with this movie, but I love it. This is Cases because of he has the, the, the great memories that go along with it uh, kind of movie. Kind of, yeah. I, I also was just excited because at this point, like, looking back from the perspective of we've had so many superhero movies, like... Uh, you know, kind of whatever. But from the vantage point of like, all right, well, we just had D 
Daredevil, and we just had the Spider-Man movies and the X-Men movies, and they're like they're all kind of hitting this, but we're also like just just now getting movies that kind of feel like they're taking parts of comics seriously. Like Spider-Man's like your retro love letter piece. Like Daredevil is your I wanted to make a Batman movie, but I didn't have the rights. Uh, <laughs> like the X-Men movies did interesting things like the, the the fact that they had the school there which is i i like i stand by the x-men one being like oh yeah there's other students there's kids at class was a great idea i i think that was a fantastic thing and there's a reason why it was brought into like the morrison run uh, of x-men like this was trying to tackle stuff that like like i had been reading the peter david hulk run and i was like yeah there's like all this all, all of these like issues that the hulk is dealing with from, you know, the trauma of his father and his, the abuse that he grew up with. And, like, you know, Doc Samson, like, ha- like having a conversation with the Hulk and Grey Hulk and, and Banner in a, in a perver- like, a metaphorical, like, therapy session. I-, I was excited that they were at least trying to do that. And they weren't just doing, like, oh, if he gets angry, he gets mad and it's a curse that's put on him that doesn't feel like it's an internal struggle. Like... That is part of the Hulk's thing. It's like it's not just that he has superpowers. It and that superpower happens to be a monster that he's connected to. It's him, and that's the thing that they're doing in this movie by making him look like Banna, but or like by making the Hulk look like Banna by making um, the, so much of it be about his internal issues. Um, they're they're trying to deal with that as opposed to like let's just have a villain. And also, let's be honest, Hulk villains kind of suck. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they threw in the Hulk dogs because they were like, yeah, we can we can have them fight the Hulk dogs, which, uh, good choice to have this, like, kind of primal. We're going to, like, sit, like, it's very Tarzan Jane kind of thing. I'm going to save you from the wild beasts. It sucks that he's beating up dogs. Yeah. Like, I, it, like I, I can't look at that scene and not be like, that fucking dog murderer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But also, they're monster dogs. So, eh. um. But, uh, like, they're, they were trying to do something in this movie. Um, and they didn't have a lot of things to throw at him that were, would push him in that way. And so I get them dealing with the dad, and I wish they had something smarter for the dad to do than just become the absorbing man, because it's just weird on top of all the other weird that they have in there. But, like, it was fitting. Or it was exciting to see, like, what felt like someone taking it seriously, even if that person taking it seriously uh, was such a theater kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that last scene with uh, Bruce Banner's mom crawling out into the, the horizon, like reaching out for the, the mushroom cloud as it blows up. It that was just, it was just too much. And, and exactly what you were mm-hmm. saying. Uh, okay. Wh- what's our toy set that didn't get made? What's, what's the toy from this movie? The desert tank fight playset. <laughs> it's the Hulk with two tanks, and one of their one of the the turrets comes off of the tank, and you can use it to smash the other one. <laughs> I think the in, the base that like with the elevator shaft and everything. Um. W- w- so, on the DVD set. If I put this into my original series Xbox, uh, it would allow me to play a single level from the Hulk video game. Wow. Uh, But I also actually own the Hulk video game (laughs) because it's actually a really good game. Uh, Like that spinoff game is dope. Um, It's the engine that they use for Hulk Ultimate Destruction and for the later Incredible Hulk game. Um, And while it's not perfect, like the 
I remember like it was really wonky. Like if um, if you were grappling, you couldn't be hurt. Uh, and eventually the game was so throwing so many enemies at you. You always just had to keep on grabbing new people and like slamming them against stuff. Uh, and that was the only way you could survive. Um, the, the engine's a lot of fun. And like the base levels were a lot of fun. And I think that those would also work as toys, like the inside military base with like the tank that the Hulk bursts out of. And then like the elevator shaft. And then you could just put it in like your sandbox. And then you have the desert for the fight part. Uh, so Perfect. I think that that base would be a cool playset. Yeah. yeah. That's what I remember when that video game came out. Like everybody was like, well, the movie wasn't that great, but this video game is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Magic Bollock says uh, Bruce Banner getting electrocuted should have been the toy. Which I, I'm not sure how we want to interpret that. I'm thinking a branded car battery with jumper cables. Okay. Uh, yeah, that that's a little dark. You like me when I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's the one I want. I want the Central American in the jungle, like fighting off the uh, the the warlords kind of guy. That's my toy set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what what do we want to see show up from this movie in the the future phases of the MCU? Oh, Christ. A better done Absorbing Man. Okay. I mean, we have... if if There is a better done Absorbing Man in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Exactly. <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. counts. Then there's an Absorbing Man doesn't in there. count. How dare you? <laughs> That's what I'm going to make you watch next. All of the, uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. seasons. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Magic Pollock says Sam Elliott. We want Sam Elliott back in the MCU somewhere. I mean, we get to see Sam Elliott again in our little adventure this season. He's he's gonna Ghost show Rider. Up Ghost Rider, that's right. So uh can, can we bring him back in the MCU further down, but just as his character from Ghost Rider? Sure, he can be the Phantom Rider. I'm all for that. Like I'd be down. I'd be here. But we can talk about that when we get to Ghost Rider. <laughs> um I don't know. I I honestly uh I guess it would it wouldn't be bad as as Case put it out to to make the Hulk get bigger. I would I wouldn't mind seeing what happens to Mark Ruffalo's Hulk as as he gets bigger. Yeah, because if he's unstable, like I think that's part of it. Like this is when he's like first releasing all of this like bottled up emotion, and I think it fits here. But if he, like Smart Hulk, it do- it definitely doesn't make sense for. And I think the more stabilized Hulks of of either um, Thor Ragnarok or even like even Avengers One, like it does that doesn't feel like the type of Hulk that would just grow out of control. And, and I think. Uh... It, just re- rethinking it. It'd be awesome if, in the future phases, if they had Mark Ruffalo in there, like kind of te- explain. Maybe even in She-Hulk, when he's he's like, after I became the Hulk for the first time, I went to all these other things. I did all these other things, and you incorporate the other two movies, like the versions that weren't Mark Ruffalo, into his story, like more concretely. So, so when he does the blood transfusion with uh with Jennifer, it's just like, oh, I'm sorry, the nanobots that were. My blood yep. got into yours. <laughs> okay. I, you know, I want the MCU to do this the same kind of desert fight scene. Like, may, doesn't need to be current fight scene. Doesn't need to be, like, Mark Ruffalo's lost control. It could just be a flashback to, like, the first time he hulked out. And maybe retell this scene from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with 
like because again like the the incredible hulk feels like a sequel and it certainly feels like a later part of a story um so like getting that kind of thing done with the with the elements that you would get in the later mcu and the technology that they have to bring towards it uh would would be really cool because like again hulk in the desert fighting tanks is such an iconic part about the character that they never fucking use in any adaptation of the character true true okay case thank you once again for coming on the show talking about another comic book movie uh where can people find you uh, if people want to find me, uh, they can find me on uh, on Twitter at Case Aiken. They can find me at, on uh, Instagram at Quetzalcoatl5 because I am a big nerd for both mythology and the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, and you can find stuff I do over at CertainPOV.com. Uh, my uh, I, I host three shows over there. One's Another Pass, which is a movie analysis podcast uh, that both of you have been on. Um, I am the host of Men of Steel, along with J. Mike Folson, which is a, a Superman appreciation podcast. And then I am the dungeon master for Scruffy Nerf Herders, which is our network-wide uh, Star Wars D&D game. Uh, that one's not exactly on hiatus, but at, like I've been recording sessions with like different groups of people, so it's like kind of... There's gaps between like bit, like story arcs, as, as it were. Um, and you can find all of that at certainpov.com. You can also find a, a YouTube series I've been doing that as a spinoff of Men of Steel uh, called Superman Analogs, where I talk about characters who are like Superman, uh, which has been a lot of fun. And uh, uh, I, I just did Mimic uh, as of the time that we're recording this. And Mimic is one of my favorite characters from Exiles, and he's awesome. So I'm plugging a Marvel comic character right now. I don't know why I'm doing it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, certainpov.com or Twitter, Casey. It's it's good. <laughs> and Ian, where can people find you? Hi, you can find me right here on Twitch every Wednesday when we record this. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Ian Flux. You can find me on Instagram at Ian Flux and Twitter at Ian Flux 12. That is I-A-N-F-L-U-X, the numbers one, two, if you're on Twitter and I-A-N-F-L-U-X everywhere else. And, um, I know that Mitch can tell you where Mitch can be found if you ask very nicely, but I'm not going to make you ask very nicely because I'll ask Mitch, where can people find you, please? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geekleetmedia.com. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash geekleetmedia. You can get exclusive material that only patrons get and case is one of our patrons yep and if you could please proud uh, to support you guys <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, if you if you if you get the highest tier of the patreon mitch contractually has to hang out with you this is true so... it's in writing <laughs> that was my plan <laughs> <laughs> Uh, whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us, please rate and review as it helps spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is Journey into Mystery on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.